All right, it is Thursday, January 11th. We are right before wildcard weekend. Injury reports kind of filtering in little by little here. So we're, we're working with the information we have, but wanted to take some time to sit down with Devin Glant from DimesPressBox.com. Help break down some of the NFL playoff matchups we've got coming up this weekend. Devin, how are you doing today, bud? I'm great, great. Glad, glad to be back on talking about the storylines, even though we don't have all the information yet. Um, there are some wicked games coming up this weekend. This might be one of the best like wildcard weekends of all time. Yeah, yeah. No, there there have been some in the past that it's like, okay, can we just get this weekend over with? Because, <laughs> you know, one of the six matchups is really viable and the other ones are kind of foregone conclusions. There's a lot that can happen. And, you know, those that are saying, oh, it's just going to be a chalk weekend. It, it might. It could very well still be, you know, the top seeds that move on. But to expect these games to just be cakewalks, like I think there's going to be a lot of competitive football getting played. Yeah, I expect a couple of games to be like super low scoring, like defensive matchups, but there are going to be some like offensive fireworks. There's only one of the games that I'm just like, ah, I don't want to watch that, but I'm going to because I'm an Eagles fan. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> the Eagles game, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But exactly. every other matchup, there's like some kind of awesome storyline or like something involved that gets you really, really pumped for that game. Yeah, yeah, and lots of uh, lots of weather factors at play as well too there, yeah. and uh, you know we'll we'll wait and see whether we're getting a, a big old dumping of snow, and you know that could greatly affect uh, how how low that Miami KC game goes. Mm. So we'll uh, w where do you want to start? You want to start NFC or AFC? What's your cup of tea to kick us off here? Um, let's let's start with the Bills Steelers. Okay, so Bills Steelers, one p.m. Sunday. Uh, Eastern time on CBS. You got the number seven Steelers traveling to Buffalo to take on the red hot bills. Suddenly went from out of the playoffs to, Oh, we won the AFC East. Look at us go. What a turnaround. Yeah. This is another game that um, is, they're expecting a bunch of snow. So I th actually think this game is going to be super, super low scoring and kind of a defensive grind. Yeah. Well, th this is going to be, <laughs> Uh, a bit of a bit of a wild one because I think this one quite literally goes as far as Josh Allen's legs will carry the bills because I, I like James Cook, right? He's a nice little back there, a little bit of do it all everything. But do I trust him in a, you know, blizzard game to tote the rock 25 times? Not really. Right. Yeah. That if it truly comes down to which team's running game is going to win the game, I, I think that favors the Steelers here, even with Mason Rudolph under center over there. So uh, I think it's going to come down to a lot of, uh, you know, not even necessarily drawn up quarterback draw plays here, but I think Josh Allen, uh, whatever his rushing yards total is, probably take the over on that day because I feel <laughs> like he's going to be scampering around quite a bit there. Yeah, no, 100%. You read my mind on my thoughts of this game. Um, I think the Steelers are actually in a really, really good position. I really, I'm not a Najee Harris fan, but I really like what they've been doing, combining him with Jalen Warren. Um, so I think if this game does turn into just a slug it out run game matchup, like the Steelers offensive line is built for the run. Um, they've got the one-two punch and it's, if, Josh Allen can't scramble away and get like, you know, rack up 50 to 70 yards on the ground. Then the bills are kind of in trouble because I just, I don't feel like the, the passing offense is going to be there. Yeah. And, and again, too, you look at who the Steelers are going to be missing there as well too. Right. And like not having TJ Watt. Yeah, that's huge. I, I can't remember the exact stat, but it was something like they've got a, you know, over 600 win percentage when Watt is in the lineup yeah. and, and they're one in 10. <laughs> when he sits but if it's a day where it's not going to be a whole lot of you know passing going on anyways um and neither team can really get the footing like we, we just watched a super bowl where both teams couldn't get any kind of pass rush going on there i feel like you know that, that could very well be kind of what plays out here as well too where if there's as much snow as they're calling for then guess what you, you don't really need that pass rush 
to slow down Josh Allen because I don't think he's throwing for 350 yards in a blizzard. So that again, just kind of a uh, a bit of a curveball that actually favors the Steelers there. All in all, though, I, I've got to think the Bills get it done at home, but I think this is going to be a very ugly game. Like you said, low scoring game, like 16-10 type yeah. contest here. <laughs> So, I, I mean, again, these lines will obviously move quite a bit, and especially once uh, the weather's confirmed there. But, you know, take the over on Allen's rushing totals and take the under on whatever the score total there is would be my best advice. Yeah, for sure. And, like, everyone, everyone's jumping out all over the bills right now because, sure, they're entering with, like, a five-game winning streak. I think they've won six, six of the last seven or something since their bye week. But if you look at their games, like, they only beat Kansas City because Tony lined up 10 yards offside. They beat beat down the Cowboys. I'll give them that one. They like destroy the Cowboys. They beat Easton Stick and the Chargers by only two points. Yeah. They beat the Patriots who suck. And they like last week against Miami, like Miami just did not show up. That was a terrible game. And they still needed a punt return to win that game. Yeah. So if you like actually dive into their recent victories, it's it's not as impressive as the record looks. So I think they're they definitely have some weaknesses. Oh yeah, uh, I would not be surprised at all if you know in round two they're they're sent packing, even as the number two seed in the AFC here. But all that to say, you know, I, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are a a flawed team to begin with, but. You know, having Mason Rudolph out there, who I, I guess he's getting it done, but you want to put a ton of faith in him, you know, Godspeed to you. Um, between that and missing TJ Watt, it, it's just a little bit too much. I, I think the weather favors them. I think that they keep it close, but I think they ultimately come up short. But that's uh, again, it's going to be a competitive one where. You probably, I would be shocked if you're flipping the channel at halftime because one team's up by, you know, 21 points or something. Right. Yeah. And, and Tomlin will always keep them competitive, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, not, not to completely segue into fantasy football here, but <laughs> just while we're on, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers here. And, and I don't know if I'm the only one getting this vibe or I could be completely off on it there, but are you getting very similar, like Zeke Pollard? cook madison vibes from this whole Najee uh jalen warren situation there where everyone loves jalen warren in the role he's in right now and i'm again i am not a Najee harris apologizer here and saying that he's the you know second coming of barry sanders but do you think that even if roles get flipped next year and some of the fans get their wish and oh let, let's give jalen warren a featured role in this offense do you think he's actually going to be that guy or is it going to be, uh-oh, <laughs> Madison and Pollard suddenly in the limelight this year and they both fizzled out spectacularly? Yeah, no, I, I get where you're coming. I think Jalen Warren is much more talented than Harris. I think he can do a lot more. Um, but he does have that Pollard-type feel where it's like, can he handle – like, is, is his efficiency going to drop if he doesn't have someone else banging into the defense? Like, I think Najee Harris – almost broke the record for broken tackles this year because he doesn't avoid tacklers. He just he runs, runs in a he doesn't find a hole. So yeah. his job is just tiring out the defense. So when Warren gets out there, they're like, oh, I don't want to chase this quick explosive guy. Like screw that. Yeah. Um, so without someone like Harris to, to wear down defenses. Yeah. I can absolutely see Warren kind of not being as efficient as he was this season. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting as well, too, there. So, you know, we'll, we'll maybe leave it at that. But uh, buyer beware heading into fantasy drafts <laughs> next year because I can guarantee you the uh, Jalen Warren hype train is just yeah. leaving the station right now. Yeah, it's going to be taken off um, definitely this season. and uh, I, I Or sorry, this summer. And I can, I can tell you right now, he's not going to be very high in my rankings. Yeah. All <laughs> right. Well, we might as well keep in the uh, AFC here. And speaking of places that might see a big old dumping of snow or at least really cold temperatures Miami traveling to Kansas City so if you're expecting a uh, offensive track meet there again this one might be uh, on the lower side of the uh, scoring totals if 
the weather does actually hold up, which it's forecasted for right now. So this one actually goes on Saturday night at 8.15. What, what's your initial vibes of, guess what? Kansas City won the AFC West again, but yeah. you know, cool. is that more so because of what they did or in spite of what the rest of the AFC West did? Yeah, just uh, just a disappointing division overall. But yeah, I think like I think the extreme cold is is going to be a factor, and I think that's going to benefit Kansas City. I don't think Miami just has it r- right now. I think they they their vibes were like super good um, a few weeks ago. It seems to be dwindling, and then just that performance against Buffalo last week was really disappointing. Tua seems to just be. I've never been a Tua believer, and I just don't think he he's good enough to beat the Chiefs in Kansas City, even though Tyreek will probably still somehow go off for like 250 yards. Yeah, well, that that's just the thing, right, is you've got all these track stars in Miami, but most of their injuries are all just these fast twitch muscle, you know, hamstrings, and they tweak a groin, and guess what? Fast twitch muscles and cold weather they, they don't usually go hand in hand so it it definitely favors the chiefs especially with pacheco starting to really emerge as mm-hmm. a a true kind of reliable uh, not necessarily bell cow but a, a three down back really here for the chiefs and he's someone that i think they'll lean on pretty heavily uh in this game but i think miami has just it, it seems like every week for the past four weeks they've lost one to two key players on one side of the ball or the other. Right. And I think it's just been death by a thousand paper cuts here where, okay, we, we, we can survive losing Javon Holland for a couple of games. And Oh, then all of a sudden down goes Jalen Phillips. And then, then down goes Chubb. And now Mostert and Hill are kind of carrying injury designations into the weekend. And I'm sure they'll both suit up. How effective are they going to be? I have no idea, right? Like they'll they'll have that question. I can almost guarantee you when they release the final injury reports, it'll be, yep, they're questionable to play. They'll be in uniform. They'll go out there. Are they 90%? Are they 60%, right? Like these are things that are going to have outsized outcomes on the game. And at the end of the day, I, I actually really, really liked Miami is probably like two thirds of the way through the season. Everyone was on the Baltimore train and all that. I actually really liked how Miami season was shaping up. And then it was just injury, 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 injury. And it just seems to be a little bit too much to overcome. And, you know, thank God for all the wins they stacked up at the beginning of the year, because mm-hmm. they, they suddenly became much tougher to come by in the second half. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like when, when Phillips went down, I was like, well, they're done. Like, their defense is already questionable. Phillips is super, super underrated. But then they actually like came back and they they put together a good defense. But like that combo of Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard are always dinged up. And then losing Bradley Chubb is just too devastating. Like I just don't see that their defense is going to be able to keep up with Kansas City. It's just it's just too, asking too much for a team. Like 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 you said, they were looking really good. They were in a great position but it's just asking too much this weekend. Yeah. They've, they've kind of stumbled into the playoffs here. And yeah. you know what, if you were to tell, you know, a Miami dolphins fan that, Hey, you know what, over the next three to five years, you're going to be in the thick of it. You're going to be contending for AFC East titles. Like I think, I think they would take that, but how this season has played out, especially with how it started for them, you, you can't blame them for probably feeling a little bit disappointed um Mm -hmm. with how it's going to end but it's also a situation where you kind of got to see the forest for the trees here and you know i I don't think that sweeping change is really needed with this team in the off season they just need to get healthy is really what it boils down to yeah uh i agree Uh, i think they're on the right track i mean like i said i'm i'm not a huge believer into it but uh mike mcdaniel's is built this offense around what Tua can do. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think if he had a better quarterback, this offense would open up even more, but he has what he has and he, he built a good offense. So yeah, they don't need to blow up anything. They don't need to make any crazy changes. They're still going to be in the thick of it. They, uh, they just need to get healthy. Yeah. So are we both going bills and both going chiefs then through the first two here? Or? No, sir. I'm going Steelers. 
you oh my god <laughs> you're, you're zagging you, you didn't you didn't actually slide that into the conversation <laughs> the last time there you, you're just gonna leave that dangling in the ether apparently <laughs> i just thought we were gonna we were gonna circle back and do our picks later uh, yeah. <laughs> okay well, there, there you go all right you're going Steelers. i'll take bills I hate to pick them, but I'll I'll take the Chiefs over the Dolphins. Yeah, I, I got I I got the Chiefs as well. Okay, all right. So we're not in lockstep like I thought we were here, but we'll <laughs> finish off the AFC. You got the Cleveland Browns at the Houston Texans, which Ooh. before Ooh. we even get into the game itself, I, I, for those who haven't heard the uh, off-field drama. It's literally playing out like a, uh, a, a, what was the soap opera or Dallas, I think it was there, where it was just all the infighting with the families. And anyways, it was a show in the like 70s or 80s. What are you talking about? <laughs> you, you clearly haven't heard the news either yet. So the son of the owner of the Texans is trying, has petitioned the court to try and get his mother deemed medically incompetent so that he can take over the team. And now there's all these counter suits going on. And oh yeah, yeah, that, that that's what's dominating the Houston headlines right now is there's a power, not, hey, we finally made the playoffs again. CJ Stroud took us to the promised land. Look at all the good things. No, no, it's let, let's fight for control, like succession style here over who's gonna run this organization. So for the first time since I can remember, Houston becomes a relevant, actually decent team, and now they're just going to blow it up from an ownership perspective. Uh, apparently, so what yeah, the there, there, there's uh, there, there's some fun and games surrounding this. <laughs> uh, while while most people should be talking about the actual matchup, uh, yeah, there, there's some off-field drama going on there that's stolen uh, a little bit of shine from this game, especially considering it's being hosted in Houston as well, too. Right? That is so wacky. Like, come on, guys. Just just celebrate what you've done. Yeah. This is the Deshaun Watson Bowl. <laughs> celebrate <laughs> the fact that Joe Flacco is coming to town from the couch to the playoffs. Fifth string quarterback, Joe Flacco, uh, not Deshaun Watson, is going to lead the Browns versus the Texans, just like everyone predicted. Yeah, that that Browns fan that has that jacket that everyone's seen at this point where it lists all the Browns quarterbacks (laughs) over the years since like Tim Couch on the back there. (laughs) He's got to be onto the sleeves by now, right? Like the amount of quarterbacks that they've been through over the last year and a half between the suspension and the injuries and, you know, oh my God, it's uh, I'm really, really impressed by the job that Stefanski has done to keep this thing on the rails given the amount of uncertainty under center that they have seen over the 2023 season here yeah it's really impressive that Stefanski can coach both the Vikings and the Browns (laughs) yeah exactly yeah yeah Yeah, no this this matchup is so so awesome um I love like uh, I think we did a bunch of podcasts last summer where I just raved about Tamika Ryan's I think he's just a stupendous coach and Slowick as the offensive coordinator, like, holy crap. People are talking about throwing $15 million a year at Ben Johnson. Like, you should be looking at Slowick. That offense is just taking off under his leadership. Yeah. And uh, really, you know, without any kind of star signing or super veteran all-pro edition or anything like that, it's just they kind of took what they had in-house worked with it and you know coached them up they did it the old-fashioned way rather than by backing up a brinks truck and signing some sort of premier free agent or top round draft pick or anything like that i mean they, yeah they did get two top picks and hutchinson and stroud but anderson yeah. and stroud <laughs> yeah sorry yeah. why is why is the thing Aiden hutchinson? at least i'm gonna screw up someone's name yeah but he's on the defensive side of the ball. But. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, they're, they're, I, I think I even like, I tripped them after the draft. I was like, I don't know what you're doing. Why are you throwing away a pick? But uh, he is coming around. Like, he looks stupendous on defense. Like, he is just a game wrecker every single game. Miles um, Garrett is also a monster. So, this, I'm super excited for this matchup. Yeah, this was one where, you know, I don't think I was alone in this opinion, um, but I genuinely questioned the logic of why are you giving up uh, your first round pick to get Anderson out of Alabama 
right now when you're not you know one key pass rusher away from competing here i genuinely thought like oh well guess what I guess the Cardinals are picking first and second overall next year. And here are the Houston Texans, your fourth overall seed in the AFC, hosting a playoff game against the Cleveland Browns. So, you know, I'll, I'll happily eat crow on that. And I, I think, you know, Anderson is someone who you really actually need to watch the games to appreciate how good he is in his rookie season because he's not someone whose stats jump off the page right he is constantly in the opposing quarterback's kitchen just getting hands and faces even little bumps you know making them feel his presence right there's very few plays that he's not getting a hand or you know a half second too late for a sack that he's got to kind of ease up and do the old okay i'm gonna lay you down gently type thing here move but you know, he he's, didn't put up 20 sacks, but he was in that backfield disrupting things constantly. So really, really impressive rookie campaign for him on the defensive side of the ball there. And he's uh, got a very, very bright future because, you know, this Houston Texans team, you look at their roster from top to bottom, not a lot of aging veterans on it. They're, they're a very young core that's only going to grow together over the years to come. Yeah, I mean, Will Anderson, like, it's just not enough. Like you, you phrase it perfectly. It's you got to watch him, and you'll be like, "Oh, okay." Like he affects every single play. His his rushing grade was way, way better than I expected it to be in his rookie season. Like he actually defended the the rush really or the run game really well. He's the twentieth on PFF. He's the twentieth ranked edge defender in his rookie season, which is super impressive. He started off slow, so that probably affected. Like he's going to be a top five uh, edge defender next year. Oh yeah. He's got room to grow and he's got the frame and he's got, you know, the right defensive scheme to really take advantage of the talent that he has. So I think it's, it's going to be an interesting matchup. I think had, you know, maybe tank Dell not gone down for the season had Houston gotten a little bit more out of their running game this season, I would feel better about them. I, I think it's going to end up being, guess what the Joe Flacco show kind of rolls on for at least one more week. And not that he's going to light the world on fire, but I I'm a huge believer in that, you know, Cleveland Browns defense. And uh, I think they kind of give CJ Stroud some fits in his first taste of playoff action here. Yeah, I disagree. I think Texans take this game. Oh, there you go. You're zagging again. I, uh, I do. I really believe in them. I, I like what Cleveland's doing, but you know, Flacco's going to throw two, three picks this game. It's going to happen. Um, I just don't, I don't trust that he's going to sustain that offense that he's been putting out for the last, like, whatever, three, four weeks. Like, it's, he's going to hit the wall eventually. I don't think he's going to be able to move on and play Baltimore, which would be a, another incredible story yeah. if they do play Baltimore next weekend. Um, I, I just see the Texans, like, Stroud just impressed me so much last week when he was playing basically for their playoff lives against uh, the Colts. He, his stats were just insanely good and it was a do or die game. He stepped up already. I think he can do it again. And I think he's going to, yeah, I think he's going to be able to take down this, this really, really good Browns team. Yeah. I, I, I just see it being a, a smothering defense where, it, you know what, here's a really well-coached unit. Here is one of the league's top defensive you know, lines that's just going to make it a very, very long day for an NFL rookie quarterback. And I think CJ Stroud's got a very, very bright future ahead of him. I think the Houston Texans have a very, very bright future ahead of him, especially with how the Jags seem to be imploding. Tennessee fired Vrabel for God knows what reason, right? Like, I I think you could see the Texans start rattling off some strings of AFC South championships here. But at the end of the day, I, I think they're a year away from making some playoff noise. So I, I'm going to go with the more veteran heavy team here and uh, think that Cleveland gets it done. And I, I don't even necessarily know if it's going to be a particularly close game. I'm even going to go Cleveland by 10 plus here. Whoa. Yeah. There we uh, go. So I, I, let, let's roll over to the NFC. We're, we're gonna save the eagles for last we'll, we'll save Thanks. save all the pent-up energy for <laughs> the finale of the, of the episode here but 
we're gonna get to that game. I'm gonna be like Joe Flacco on the sideline, just take a nap. Yeah, exactly. So let, let's start off with our favorite team to talk about here: the Dallas Cowboys hosting the Green Bay Packers in the Mike McCarthy Bowl here. Yes. So take taking on his former squad Sunday, 4:30 p.m. Um, I mean, I would love to say that the Packers roll in there and get it done. I don't think it happens, but the weirdest stat I came across is the Packers are nine and one against the Cowboys in their last 10 matchups. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's just, it's so funny to me. Like, like McCarthy getting hired by the Cowboys was just because the Packers used to always beat the Cowboys in the playoffs. And Jerry Jones was like, oh, the one thing I don't have is Mike McCarthy. And then so we went out and got Mike McCarthy. <laughs> And now they just kind of always suck in the playoffs. And the, the Packers, uh, they shocked me being a playoff team this year. Um, so I think they're in real tough in this game. I want to, I really want to be like, just go against you, just be the contrarian and make an argument for the Packers. I love their young wide receivers. But as long as Joe Barry is the defensive coordinator there, it's, I just don't believe in them. Yeah, well, that's just it. It all depends on what week you catch a Joe Barry defense on because sometimes they've got their lives together and then, you know, the next two weeks, they they can't stop a nosebleed. So which which of those cyclical journeys, what what end of the spectrum are we going to see on uh, on Sunday there? I have no idea, but, you know, I, 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 I kind of view the Packers as same boat as the Texans. Nice story young core lots of offensive weapons there but probably still a year away from making some noise in the playoffs right i think the biggest thing to me that stands out that is still missing with this team other than a competent you know defensive coordinator (laughs) is i still don't know ultimately what identity they're trying to carve out right you've got aaron jones you've got dylan that tug of war over who gets touches in the backfield has been going on for what seems like a decade now, but they don't lean overly heavily on the run game. They seem to be shifting towards more of a pass happy offense. And if that's the way that they go, I, I'm really interested to see what happens to those two backs in this off season, because if you're going to pay the type of money that they currently are to Jones and Dylan, for them to only get, you know, less than 20 touches in the backfield, it doesn't make a lot of financial sense if you're trying to go with this air raid offense. So do one of them get replaced? Do both of them get replaced? Do they draft a rookie running back maybe in, you know, second round or onwards? I I don't know. But they're a team that seems like they're just one or two tweaks, not massive overhauls, just little adjustments away from being a legitimate, you know, year after year contender in the NFC North. Yeah, Aaron Jones, if if he could have stayed healthy this year, like that's like one of those sliding door moments, right? Like I I just can't imagine how good this offense would have been with a healthy Aaron Jones all year where they didn't have to rely on AJ Dillon plotting through and just being a worse Najee Harris. Like Dillon is uh I think he's a understater free agent this year, so Dillon's gone. Like I don't I don't really see him ever signing a big contract again. And then I think they restructured Jones's contract. Yeah. So I think he's a free agent again this year. So they do have to make big decisions there at running back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like they're, the Packers are the youngest team in the league. Like they're, they're, I think their average age is like 24 or something. Like it's insane how young this team is. Well, especially so, because the NFL isn't like, you know, the NBA or NHL yeah. where you can come out of the draft at 18, right? Yeah, like. exactly. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, like what, what are the top three quarterbacks coming out in this, in the draft this year is already 24. Yeah. And it's not like four knee surgeries or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like they're just such a young team. I just, they're just not quite there. I really like Matt before as a coach. I think he showed a lot this year, but, and like this team started off at like three and six Yeah, and they came back to make the playoffs. This is, this is a huge win for the team, but I think it, I think it ends, ends this Sunday. Yeah. I, I was, uh, I was really hoping to see a uh, a Rams Cowboys first round matchup. Oh yeah, me too. It d- didn't ultimately end up happening, but it, it was uh, 
a nice story for Green Bay to ultimately rally, make the postseason. I think this is a stepping stone season for them. And yeah. like you say, there, there's there's some real questions they've got to answer at the running back position in particular this offseason. So I'm really intrigued to see what direction they go. Like it, it could end up being, you know, now that Love has kind of a full season under his belt, maybe now is the time to introduce some new blood in the backfield there because they kind of didn't want to leave him out to dry in his first real crack as a starter you know, with a rookie running back who struggles in pass protection or something like that, you know, with a full off season as the guy knowing sort of what the offense looks like, you know, LaFleur will be back again too. They can build on the things that they did this year. Really, really good building block year, but as much as it pains to me to say it, I, I think the Cowboys are going to uh, take care of business there on Sunday. Yeah, unfortunately, I gotta say, I, I completely agree. I think the, I think Ceedee Lamb is gonna probably top two hundred yards. Now, yeah. like I don't, there's no, there's no one on the Packers that are gonna shut him down. No, well, I mean, you want to talk about big offseason, you know, question marks? <laughs> Jair Alexander, who's yeah, pointing himself captain, and yeah, <laughs> making wild decisions, getting suspended by the team, kind of speaking out against the coaching staff, like. There's another big one because he's he's got a a lot of money tied up in his contract right there. So are, is he someone that they maybe eat some dead cap on to move on from? Is he back? Like there's there's going to be some restructuring and changing of the guard as far as you know. Could Dylan? Could Jones? Could Alexander all be gone next season? Um, and if so, this is a team that's only even going to get even younger um but at the end of the day might actually end up having quite a bit of cap space depending on how they kind of structure these maneuvers to go out there and replace them and maybe build up that offensive line a little bit more as well too yeah that Jair alexander situation was just so weird i just don't really understand what happened i'm I'm from here I, i i used to live here therefore i am a captain now despite the fact that i was not chosen as one here we go boys (laughs) like it's it's the season of players going rogue, right? You've, yeah. you've got Jair Alexander just walking out for a coin toss here. Then you got Jameis Winston being like, nah, <laughs> whatever <laughs> victory formation you want here, we're going to overrule Dennis Allen. So uh, it's, uh, I don't know if you want to call it player empowerment or uh, loose cannons or what, but uh, there were some interesting decisions made down the stretch by some players. Oh, that was so funny. Like, and- like yeah sure you led the league in touchdowns last year and they're like well you didn't have one this year so we better get you one i guess like yeah. what are you doing what what, what is that logic right like anyway. uh james winston yeah yeah anyway also yeah. i just i just love that's the last moment for arthur smith and the nfl as a head coach yeah yeah L- looking like a a kid whose ice cream just fell on the floor there yeah. right like <laughs> why did you do that to me that was yeah. so rude like yeah. And he just like made such a big scene on the like either punch the guy or don't do anything about it. Like That's you're like so. towing the line, like being me, me, me. You just look like such a moron. Well, he's he's the fake tough guy at the bar who's chirping. Yeah. Uh, hold me back, hold me back. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You're not gonna do anything. Whatever, Arthur Smith. Look, get if out of here. This stool wasn't in front of me. I swear to God. Yeah. <laughs> Good lord. All right, moving on. We got the Rams traveling to Detroit where we've got some uh, more off-field drama because the fans were trying to organize a boycott of Stafford jerseys there and then Stafford's <laughs> wife was chirping back at them and anyways, it's the it's the Matthew Stafford reunion bowl presented by Ford probably, I guess would be the sponsor. <laughs> That's that sounds that sounds appropriate. Yeah, there you go. So Sunday, 8-15, the marquee matchup at night there. I mean, this, I, I think if you look up and down all the matchups, is A, one of the bigger ones, and B, one of the ones that has the widest range of outcomes. Because you could tell yeah. me it's a one-point game that gets decided on a last-second field goal. You could tell me the Rams blow at the Lions. You could tell me the Lions blow at the Rams. And I would believe... You know, whatever range of outcomes you, you kind of present there, because this is two very talented teams who 
you know, as good as the Lions are, they kind of struggle with consistency. Yeah, the Lions have very much struggled with consistency. Uh, their defense at one point in the season was like, holy crap, like what are the Lions doing with this defense? This is amazing. Where did this come from? And then they kind of also fell off. Um, and Dan Campbell playing his starters for the entire game last week might have cost him San Laporta and yeah. a completely minuscule like meaningless game they didn't move in the standings at all so that might that he's such a big aspect of their offense of what they run mm-hmm. but so that's that's kind of disappointing to not see him in this playoff game but i don't know if that's enough to to take oh, i'm so torn on this game honestly as i'm talking i'm flip-flopping of who i want to pick yeah <laughs> well it, it, I, I wrote down the rams like yeah. literally 17 seconds ago. And I think I just talked myself in the lines, but I think I'm going to go with Sean McVay. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, what do you believe in? Do you believe in momentum or do you believe in they are who they've proven over the entire course yeah. of the season? Right. Cause that, that's, that's what it is. The the Rams looked like they were dead in the water, you know, four or five games into the season. They were kind of floating around. Okay. They had some squeak out victories here. Oh, look at puka looks kind of nice kyron looks kind of nice but stafford looked like he was one hit away from being put into retirement but towards the end of the year like everyone kept saying like buffalo's the team no one wants to play buffalo doesn't scare me that much the rams i'm really glad philadelphia dodged the bullet of playing the rams in the first round because they are coming in very hot and they are looking like they're a team that has figured out their identity and they do the little things exceptionally well, right? Like it, it I, I would never make the comparison just because they're two very different coaching styles as far as, you know, McVeigh and Belichick, but you know, the whole, you know, do your job era of the Patriots there, everyone on this Rams team knows what their role is. And they don't try and do things beyond that role. They, no one tries to play hero ball on this team. They they go out there, they put in, you know, a blue-collar work ethic shift, and they get it done as a team. So, yeah, they don't have necessarily the star power that some of the, you know, game breakers, like an Amon Ra St. Brown, like a Jameer Gibbs who could go 90 yards with a you know, blink of an eye. Like, a lot of those high-end pieces... Are, are kind of missing from the Rams roster, but I really like Kyron. I think that, you know, e- even if he's had a very down year by his standards, you have to pay special attention to where Cooper Cup is on the field at any given time. And Puka just, you know, <laughs> they released the pre-draft video. I don't know if he saw it or not this week there where the Rams were actually, you know, Sneed and McVay were talking about, yeah, oh, yeah, what yeah. are we going to take, right? And they literally, before the draft, listed all the reasons that we saw play out this season, why he's an NFL player and the things that he does. And, you know, no, he is not fast, but he, I can't remember who the player, I think it was like Alec Ogletree or something like that. It was like, (laughs) he's not fast, but he's football fast, right? He's, He's able to create that separation. And that's exactly what Puka's done this year. So they've got, maybe not necessarily the brand recognition, but they've got guys who know how to get it done in LA. Yeah. I, I, when that video came out, I was like, I felt so validated because I went on that exact rant last week about how the 40 yard dash does not define a football player speed. Yep. It makes no friggin' sense to make them do it. They're not sprinters. They're football players. And if you watch Pook on the field and try to tell me he's slow, you're an idiot. Like he is a football fast player. Um, but yeah, so what, like what Mavey has done with this team is just so impressive. I think you bring up a good point with Cooper. Like, I, I actually, he just he draws so much attention, even though he yes is had a very down year. He just draws so much defensive attention because we know what he can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have to watch him, and that just opens up so many options. That's why Kyron Williams is having such a good season. That's why Puka is having such a good season. Their defense has played good, even though like they're all just like six round draft picks it's it's wild what mcveigh has done with this team yeah so you you take all of that into play here are you going detroit are you going la where did you ultimately end up landing on your uh your flip-flop 
So, yeah, I, I'm picking the Rams because of the coaching. I think I, I've just, I like Dan Campbell probably more than you do. You've, you've said your piece about Dan Campbell a few times to me and I believe sort of in him, but I just, I just think the coaching of Sean McVay overall is like just Dan Campbell in that game against the, was it the Cowboys where he just went for it like time after time after time for the two points, even though he got penalties and was like, what are you doing, man? Just kick the extra point and tie the game. Like he's just too stubborn for his own good. So I just like feel like he, if it comes down to coaching, McVeigh has the advantage and I'll give it to McVeigh. Yeah. Uh, And I mean, I think it's going to be an absolute electric factory in Detroit hosting a playoff game after the years of ineptitude that that franchise has gone through here. I think it's going to be wild. I think it's going to really come down to can the Rams survive the first quarter? If they do, I I think the Rams take this, but like I said, you could also talk me into guess what? Lions returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown floodgates opened and it was a 38 10 game, right? Like it's going to be one of those things where Ford field is either going to be rocking because it's a tight game or a blowout for the lions, or it's going to get real quiet. And that nervous energy, like you said, I, I don't trust Dan Campbell in the best of times. If there's a playoff, you know, game on Mm. the line and there's sort of that nervous energy in the stadium already, I, I, I don't see those things playing into his favor very well. So, uh, again, I, I, I'm going to go with the Rams as well here, too. Oh. Ultimately, I think it's going to be a, a pretty close game, though. I think this is going to end up being a little bit sloppy uh, to a degree where you're going to see some turnovers on both sides of the ball just because of that kind of nervous energy, right? Stafford's making his return back to Detroit. Uh, Lions are hosting a playoff game. Like I think there's going to be some miscues. Uh, on both sides of the ball and i think it's going to be a one score one possession game that probably comes right down to the wire but ultimately i'll give the slight edge to the number six los angeles rams yeah and and i mean you obviously have to give the edge that quarterback to stafford over goff if if this game was in la like there would be no doubt that you know the rams are going to take it um but just as like goff is better at home but he's still not He's like he's not as good as Stafford, even though Stafford is a little bit older. Well, you throw talent aside. If there is anyone who knows what Goff can do and cannot yeah. do on a football field, it's Sean McVay, right? Yeah. So he is going to have that. Like I think Sean McVay is going to be more involved in defensive meetings this year than he's ever been at any <laughs> point in his head coaching career. Like he is going to be giving them a blueprint on like here's his first reads here are the things that drove us insane like here's what flusters him and you know maybe a few of those things have been quasi corrected since he's joined Detroit but it's not like he's gone from what he was in LA to all of a sudden he's a top five quarterback in the league like there's been maybe some incremental growth but there hasn't been any giant leaps so i still think that maybe while chapters one through three might not be applicable the rest of the book on what goff can and can't do is already inside the stadium there for the rams yeah sean McVay is going to walk in the defensive meeting and be like you know what goff can do and just point at aaron donald to be like yeah. and goff is going to be behind center every snap and he's going to be like just like peeking over at Aaron Donald, no. and Donald's just going to wreck him. No. So, huge game for that uh, Lions O-line there. We'll, we'll see if uh, Ragnow and company can hold up, because if uh, if a- Aaron Donald is in uh, that backfield early and often, it's going to be a long day in Michigan. Yeah, I think he's going to be able to set up shop there. All right. Take a deep breath. We're, we're, we're doing it. Two it's Eagles over. fans attempting to dissect the season that was Ugh. Philadelphia traveling to Tampa Bay. Start off 10 and one, and we're not even hosting a playoff game. Awesome. Great, great job, guys. And the other thing that pisses me off, too, is I hate 
the fact that they've added a Monday nighter into the playoffs, right? Like it, yeah. it used to be just perfect, right? You get game Saturday, game Sunday, call it a weekend. Now you got this weird Monday nighter. I, I get it. TV deals, ESPN paid through the nose to get this special game, all of that good stuff. But as a fan, like e- even for setting up the next week, like you got to kind of feel quasi screwed by this lack of an extra day of rest, even if your team does move on. Yeah, they, they give them an extra day of rest this week to have less rest next like in the playoffs that makes no friggin' sense there's been so many scheduling things that just pissed me off like last week last weekend the last week of the regular season the schedule was amazing what do we have like eight games in the first window like seven in the second window everything was balanced like it like it was fantastic and then yeah i can't i can't agree more this monday nighter is just stupid playoffs should be on the weekend only i'll die on that hill yeah yeah well, Philadelphia is, uh, <laughs> if the Rams are coming in hot as a pistol, <laughs> Philadelphia was dead on arrival coming into the playoffs here. And, you know, thank God we won 10 games in our first 11 contests because it's been tough sledding ever since there in the city of brotherly love. Like, <clears throat> I think I texted you within minutes of Rabel getting fired, just being like, so what are the odds? <laughs> <laughs> that we can bring him in to kind of turn this around. But I mean, with Belichick moving on today, I, I, I would be shocked if uh, Rabel didn't go up to new England, but that, that, that's a topic for another day there. But I, I don't, I, I can't even point to just one thing, right? Like offensively, yeah. they look lost defensively. It's a dry Matt Patricia can't stop a nosebleed have no identity you look at the names on the roster you're like how are they this bad right so it's clearly scheme <laughs> like, yeah you, you can't sit there and tell me that with the players on both sides of the ball here that this team shouldn't be amongst the league leaders on both offense and defense like they just seem to have taken not just one but like three steps back in every regard every facet of the game from what they were last year when they went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I guess it turns out if you your plan is to go into the season with your entire defensive backfield being in their 30s, it's not going to work out. No. Uh, it's it's been really bad. I mean, even you know Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis on the defensive line, who I've raved and raved and raved and raved about, they didn't play this much in college, so you can really see it in their play now. Like they are wearing down. They were in college; they were playing like 30, 35 percent of the snaps. Now we have a longer season. We're asking them to play more snaps and they're just, you can see it. They're just, their explosiveness is gone. Like they're clearly ready for the off season. Yeah. Um, so the defense is just, it's not there. Offensively it has been just a joke. Like there's no movement along the offensive line. There's no creativity. They just go back and run the same play, run a tight end screen every fourth play. Like they can figure it out. Yeah. play run something different like there's no like you're doing kind of your only trick play like anything different is off the tush bush and that's your only fucking successful play like you have to do something different yeah well there, there you go you, you made the whole episode without swearing we bring up the eagles and you're dropping f-bombs on <laughs> i was purposely trying not to swear this episode and we got to the eagles and like damn it i can't i can't help it like it's just been like ah oh, yeah. patricia is our friggin defensive coordinator like come on yeah 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 good old laminated sheet with a pencil behind the ear patricia over here (laughs) uh, oh my god it's it's frustrating it really i was really really hoping to send jason kelsey off with a championship right so i think that's kind of you know as as an eagles fan i've gotten used to having my heart ripped out so losing the super bowl wasn't exactly a huge shock it was more so just like ah for for everything that jason's done for that city and that team and that franchise like i would have loved for him instead of his idiot brother to have won the super bowl last season and you know retired rather than running it back and now what like what's realistically our best case scenario like we we beat the bucks and then we have to go up against the niners 
<laughs> like, uh, well, I guess if uh, if the Rams can do us a favor, yeah, and, and, but then the get, and then we get to go to Dallas, right? Which, listen, we can beat Dallas on any given Sunday, but history has shown that <laughs> I think it's like the last 10 seasons they essentially just split uh, uh, other than like yeah. the complete rebuild years where they, they win like three games. Philadelphia beats Dallas in Philadelphia, Dallas beats Philadelphia in Dallas. So traveling to Jerry world doesn't thrill me. Neither does traveling out to the West coast to play the Niners again, who, you know, Philadelphia has not been the same since that Niners game. And, yeah. you know, uh, I, on the one hand, like, I get it. Do your victory lap. You you kind of had a lot of pent up frustration about how things ended and getting your teeth kicked in, in the playoffs last year. So you guys had to live with that for a year, but this whole, we've exposed the Eagles. We showed what the playbook is to beat them. Da 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 da. It's like, well, now <laughs> I don't know if you've necessarily shown any kind of blueprint here, I think most of the Eagles troubles are self-inflicted is, is what it kind of comes down to. So I'm a little tired of that narrative, but I'll, I'll give them their props as far as things haven't been the same since that beatdown against San Francisco. So if you want to say that the Niners, you know, orchestrated some sort of mastermind blueprint as to how to beat the Eagles that everyone else has since copied and put into effect, go nuts. But uh, I'm of the mind that most of it's actually between our own six inches between either of our ears there. We're just shooting ourselves in the foot 90% of the time. Yeah, I mean, the Jets showed it in, what was that, week six when the Jets shut them their offensive down completely? Like, yeah, the Niners beat the crap out of us. So there's no debating that. But, you know, it's just, yeah, it's been all downhill. It was a gauntlet of a season schedule. Um they looked good in games I thought they would not look good in, but then it just it just all went downhill and they finished off so 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 poorly. And now we're gonna enter against like a really surprising Bucks team with a super banged up roster. Like yeah. the injury reports are gonna be key for this game. Yeah. Well, that's just it. Like if we actually focus on the game itself rather than just carving up the Eagles. I'm like, trying to steer it back towards there. Yeah, which we, we could spend another hour and a half on there. Yeah. Um I, I think Philadelphia, as down on them as we've been, gets it done just because of the fact that you know what? Tampa Bay is going to be a hurting unit. Nothing that they've really even done this season. Like I, I think that they've they've maximized every inch of potential out of this roster and they've kind of bumped their head against the ceiling right like if you had yeah. a told a bucks fan at the beginning of the year especially back when it was like oh yeah kyle trask is going to be the starter <laughs> that they were going to win the division host a playoff game i think even most bucks fans would have laughed you out of the room so they, they have very much exceeded expectations this year if they go out and win a round Again, this isn't so much as well done, Tampa Bay. You deserved it. It would be more so now we're, we're going to have a full off season of the Philadelphia media dissecting the greatest collapse in Eagles history, right? Because if you tell me you start 10 and one and then you're a first round exit to the Bucks and your last couple of weeks, you're losing to the Cardinals <laughs> on last second plays like that, that that's up there amongst the greatest collapses after a really promising start. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you phrase it perfectly. Like the Bucks just blew every, every expectation out of the water. Like they should not be here. That roster is super flawed, but they do have like, it's, it's weird. They have the same defense that won them the Super Bowl. Like, what is that? Three years ago, four years ago. No. Like, they haven't changed their defense at all they still have the same coordinator they still have a lot of the same players so like they, they have defensive experience there but like i just can't i can't believe that baker mayfield's gonna be able to get it done in a playoff game yeah well i, I think it's gonna be very similar to uh you know when when baker kind of led cleveland to the playoffs there where he's going to go out there he's going to play but he is you know one hard hit away from seeing his shoulder 
explode off of his body at this point. Like he's, which is just the most ironic thing ever that Cleveland chose this guy who will literally put his career on the line every game to make sure he's out there and playing in this, you know, lunch pail mentality that kind of embodies what Cleveland is. And they decided to, now nah, we're going to move on for pretty boy to Sean Watson. But yeah, uh, so it, it's, it's, he, I think he's going to play, but you know what? Mike Evans, in the red zone, yeah, he scares me. Chris Godwin, yeah, you know, Rashad White, again, nice little piece there, but does he terrify me? Not really, which is probably wow. an indication that he's going to put up two touchdowns and 150 yards, just because I said that now. So, um, th- they just don't have anything that's really <laughs> keeping me up at night. The thing that's keeping me up is is just what are we doing to ourselves here for, from the Eagles? So uh, I, I I think we've beaten a dead horse to death at this point. Like Eagles should win the game. And if they don't, it is entirely on that coaching staff and that roster's fault. Like they, they've got to wear that. And I don't care if Sirianni took us to the Super Bowl last year. If you bow out in the first round with the amount of free agent head coaches that are out there yeah. this season, time to clear house. Something's not working right? Because you're going to see a lot of these older players like the Jason Kelsey's of the world here. And, you know, like you go up and down either the offensive or defensive line. You could probably pick out two or three names on both sides of the ball where it's like, they're a coin flip away from retiring at this point. Like if you're a first round fizzle out, I think you're going to see a couple of guys that have played prominent roles for this franchise elect to hang up the cleats. And guess what? If you're going to be kind of churning over to a you know retool at a minimum rebuild you know worst case scenario you, you got to start with the coaching staff so how he should be handed out some pink slips so e- even though again second place finish in the division this year they won it last year they were a bogus flag away from winning a super bowl last season well, guess what? Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl and he didn't last much longer in Philadelphia afterwards. So you can't yeah. tell me that Sirianni gets a built in extra leash for for what? Right. So I think he's coaching for his job this weekend. Yeah, I, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if they decide to move on from him either. I did like like you, you, you put it. It's, this roster was too good to be struggling this much. I know like I, I really believe in your coordinators are such a big aspect of it, but still he should have been able to do a lot more with this team despite losing both his coordinators yeah. and uh yeah just, so that's i do pick the eagles like if you watch the bucks game last weekend and the panthers like there's you can't convince me that baker's not dealing with a, a pretty major shoulder injury right now so yeah i think that's going to be a factor and uh hopefully they can take care of business for sierra Andy's sake otherwise yeah. we just have to go out and get one of these superstar coaches that are now available yeah, well, that's that's the downfall of Belichick right there was, guess what? His coordinators kept getting poached, and if you yeah. replace them with people who either aren't good at their jobs or are your sons, yeah, <laughs> it's ultimately going to be your undoing at some point. Like, right. the, the cord, offensive and defensive coordinators aren't just babysitters out there, and the head coach runs everything. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I, think, I think a lot of casual football fans really underestimate the role that those two positions play on a football team and what a huge impact they have on your overall season. So the fact that we've been oscillating between multiple defensive coordinators this year, we've had to address in several, you know, press conferences, like who is playing or calling defensive plays (laughs) this weekend, right? Like uh, that goes to show you the level of dysfunction that's going on in that building right now. And, you know, I, I think it's uh, hopefully going to be an, an Eagles win. And for our sake, you know, a fairly convincing one just so that they can, you know, <laughs> build the hope up that maybe we can go on a run and maybe, maybe <laughs> we will upset some people. And then, then we'll have a similar conversation for uh, the divisional round of the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, um my my expectations for the eagles are very tempered but yeah it starts with one win you gotta just get through this weekend hopefully aj brown and Devontae smith and jalen hurts injuries are not gonna kill them because they're all banged up so yeah we'll see what happens on on the injury report tomorrow 
Yeah. No, you, you don't need fingers to throw a football, right? Like, oh, yeah. He's just casually walk over and just pop it back in and then get back in the field. Like, that was wild. <laughs> You're yeah. just like, oh, hey, guys, this is my finger. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go back out now. Like, dude, you're already down like 21 nothing. Like, sit on the bench. Don't think uh, middle fingers are supposed to look like that. But, Devin, we appreciate you spending some time with us. Tell all the folks that are listening where they can find your work and some of the stuff uh, you got cooking up these days. Well, I'm trying to finish an article about uh, ranking the head coaching positions. (laughs) Um, But they just keep opening. It's actually, (laughs) it's blowing my mind how quickly or like how chaotic this last couple of days have been with the coaching opening. So I'm trying to stay on top of that. Uh, I want to put out something that's complete. I don't want it, you to read it two hours after I post it and it's completely different. So we're working on that, but everything of course can be fine on Dines Press Box. There we go. So go and check out dinespressbox.com for all the latest and greatest. Appreciate you coming by. We'll see how many more gray hairs you have after Monday night's game there, bud. Uh, it'll be full gray or, or maybe I'll just shave it off.